AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Hour number two of the extra point on this Wednesday, January 3rd, 2024. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until one o'clock today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. We'll take your phone calls in this hour around 1215-602-260-1060 is the number. 602-260-1060 once again. The Phoenix Suns, they have a game tonight against the Los Angeles Clippers. We'll dive into that here momentarily, but let's reset the scene with today's poll questions and we'll get things started with the KDOS1060.com poll question, which is involving the Arizona Cardinals. You had comments yesterday from head coach Jonathan Gannon uh, talking about Kyler Murray being a franchise quarterback, reiterated that this morning in front of the media. Uh, The question here is, has Kyler Murray done enough this season for the Cardinals not to select a quarterback with their first pick of the 2024 NFL draft? And yes, remains out in front at 71% of the vote, no trailing at 29%, a question that we'll officially answer around 1230 today. Furthermore, one other Cardinals note, though, from uh, the press conference this morning for head coach Jonathan Gannon, DJ Humphreys left tackle for the Cardinals ended up tearing his ACL in that loss to the Eagles or uh, the win against the Eagles. And uh, he will be done, obviously, for the season being placed on IR and ramifications for that moving forward will certainly be in place over on uh, Twitter X. At KDUS AM 1060, has the U of A basketball team been exposed during its last four games? Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports joined Bob in the Sports Zone in the 10 o'clock hour. And if you missed it, podcast it over at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Yes leads the way at 64.7%. No trailing at 35.3%. Another question that we'll officially answer around 1230 today. We'll get to the Suns here momentarily, but we'll continue from our number one, our NFL conversation in regards to uh, what's coming up for the final week of the regular season in the NFL. We went through the teams that have currently plinked clinched playoff berths in the NFC and the AFC now turning our attention to the teams that still have an opportunity to punch their ticket to the postseason when it comes to the NFC there are only two playoff spots remaining and in the AFC you have three playoff spots remaining we'll start with the NFC the teams that remain in the mix the Packers the Bucks the Saints the Seahawks and the Falcons, and there still needs to be a division winner crowned uh, for the NFC South. That would be true. You mentioned the Packers. Uh, They play the Bears this week, and uh, hint, hint, uh, this could be a poll question tomorrow. Uh, Which quarterback would you rather have moving forward, uh, Love or Fields? Interesting. Uh, You know, certainly – when it comes down to these teams here, the Packers, the Bucks, the Saints, and the Seahawks, and the Falcons, what teams surprised you, good or bad, this season? Who uh, the Saints surprised me because I thought they would easily win the division, and they could still win the division as it turns out. 
so you know, that's uh, you know, the fact that uh, their offense hasn't been better. It has been better of late. Uh, but you know they—they've just had—they've you know, got—they're really old and they look really slow, <laughs> and they've had some key injuries to defensive players, especially Lattimore, who's now missed, I'm guessing, more than half the games this season. I don't know that for sure, but he's missed a lot of games this season. Uh, to me, they're the most disappointing in that group. Uh, I'm sorry, the other teams that you included there, my bad. Oh, uh, the Packers, the Bucks, the Saints, the Seahawks, okay. and the Falcons. Okay, I don't, I'm not surprised about the Falcons. I would assume that hopefully Arthur Smith's coaching his last game as uh, the Falcons head coach this Sunday. I think he's done a horrendous job with what is the best roster right now. I think that's the best roster in the, uh, in the NFC South, and they're the team that is least likely to you know, get anything out of it. Uh, so to me, that the, that group that you mentioned there, they've been the most disappointing. Uh, and, and for me, looking at this Packers team, it's also kind of interesting here, the ebbs and the flows that they've been on, uh, because you had a defense that was kind of carrying things. There was a lot of frustration on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, the quarterback play uh, statistically was very good, but they were playing some lackluster defenses. Then you really kind of started to see things get exposed. The struggles that they had early on in ball games, uh, not scoring points there in the first halves of games. Then it seemed like Jordan Love really started to hit his stride there. You know, certainly what he was able to do the week before Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, et cetera. Then the Packers kind of hit a bit of a lull here, but they're still right in the mix of things. Yeah, and I actually think you make a really good case that their offensive line has improved. Remember they had the injuries to the Bakhtiari situation who apparently has played his last game with the Packers because everybody thinks he'll be with the Jets next year. Uh, but, you know, they've really upgraded the, as far as player, the player development from the assistant coaches because I'm sure the assistant coaches are the biggest reason that they have player development during a season. And I think LaFleur's done a really good job calling plays. And I don't think they have any issues on offense right now, quite frankly, uh, especially with Aaron Jones. Like, he was really good last week. and He's been rarely healthy this season, but he sure looked healthy last week. Uh, so that's good. They're def- now they've lost a bunch of wide receivers, but their defense is bad. And you know, for the 400th year in a row, they need to change defensive coordinators, and they haven't done that. Let's move into the AFC, the teams remaining in the mix here for the three playoff spots. You have the Bills, the Jags, the Colts, the Steelers, and the Texans, and you have yet to figure out who is going to win the AFC South in this one. That would be true, and that includes the Texans. And you know, I think the, you know, certainly that's one. That's my biggest regret of uh, before the season. I was talking up the the Texans uh, and over the win total, but then the win total went from like four and a half to five to like six before the season started, and basically I chickened out. But I at least have been smart enough to take advantage of betting on the Texans in some games in the regular season and picking them to win some games during the regular season. Really concerned about their status right now, however, heading into this game against the Colts this upcoming week because uh, C.J. Stroud did return last week after missing uh, multiple games with a concussion. Uh, he got rid of the ball far quicker uh, than he had at any point this season. I'm not sure maybe that was a reluctance because he's just coming back from the concussion. They had some unfortunate offensive line injuries in that game last week, including you know, Tunsil, who was – yeah, amongst the best left tackles in football, he left that game early. Uh, so I'm not sure. You know, I'm concerned about the Texans and their health situation heading into Week 18. 
You know, before the season started, I think we thought that there was a strong possibility that three teams from the AFC North could make it or that the challenge in that division would cannibalize each other in a way but that it would be a fascinating division to pay attention to maybe we didn't think that it would unfold in the manner that it is here but there's still an opportunity for three teams from the AFC North to uh, punch their ticket here what has surprised you most about how the AFC North has unfolded I think it's really hard to say because, you know, I think that uh, I don't think we should be scolded too much. And we weren't the only two people that thought that that was going to be the best division in football. But the fact that Deshaun Watson and Joe Flacco have been out the majority of the season, I think we get a we get kind of a do over as far as that goes. Uh, After certainly plummeting down the uh, win-loss total and also the odds of making the playoffs, the Bills now do have a chance to win the division and make it to the playoffs here. If they make the playoffs, are you on board with a lot of the national media sentiment here that uh, they are a dangerous team to look out for? I'm not on board with that unless I see you know, I've got an opportunity to see. Let's see how they play against Miami uh, this week. And Miami's 7-1 at home. Miami, as we mentioned in the last hour, has allowed 35 points per game against teams above 500. Uh, the Bills are now, they've won four in a row since they were 6-6. Six and six. Uh, they also, once again, according to the NFL Network, and I did not fact check this, but I'm just guessing they're right. The Bills have won 13 consecutive regular season games in December and January. Also, I think it's interesting to uh, monitor Stefan Diggs uh, for the rest of this season. And if he doesn't play better and become more of a big part of this offense, I'm wondering if he's even in Buffalo next year. That has certainly been a topic of discussion is his quote-unquote happiness in Buffalo, the amount of targets and touches that he's uh, been receiving, and uh, some of the, I I guess, comments that come out on various different podcasts and things of that nature. Well, also his actions. I mean, you know, I was made about George Pickens not making that block a couple of weeks ago with the, the Steelers. When obviously you know, he would have, you know, the, the Steelers would have scored a touchdown if he had, you know, tried to block a, you know, line or a defensive back downfield, and the same thing has happened more than once with Diggs. I mean, he's shown no interest in blocking a couple of these games down the stretch. We started this conversation in hour number one discussing the teams who have clinched their spots in the NFC. One of those teams is the Rams. Uh, It's being announced here from Sean McVay that Matthew Stafford will sit and it'll be Carson Wentz getting the start on Sunday. So we're certainly going to be seeing uh, several of these particular important starters getting some rest here ahead of the final game. Can't be surprising with the Rams because, you know, McVay, does he ever play any of his guys in the preseason in the worthless game? So not surprising he's not going to play a large majority of his, you know, key players in the final game of the regular season. Now, the way that the NFL is structured with only 48 guys up on game day, you can't sit everybody. Uh, But I'm guessing uh, pretty much anybody that they consider to be a difference-making player once the playoffs begin will be out this week. Uh, The Browns quarterback play will be started by Jeff Driscoll on Sunday. Uh, He was claimed off of waivers, I believe, uh, from the Cardinals practice squad last week. And P.J. Walker is going to back him up. 
Yeah, this is the game that has no meaning for anybody, right? Uh, there's a couple of these games, more than a couple, but yeah, you know, Cleveland and Cincinnati—they're both, uh, you know, the bang the Bengals are done, and Cleveland's the fifth seed, no matter what happens on Sunday. Uh, and then for the Jaguars here, who uh, are in the mix for an AFC playoff spot, uh, their quarterback Trevor Lawrence, who didn't play last week's game with a shoulder injury, will practice today on a limited basis, and he's considered day to day for the Jags. Right. In fact, I just heard that on NFL Network. In fact, uh, during uh, when you were doing the golf update at the end of the last segment, I'm just not sitting here and doing nothing during the during that segment. But uh, they just mentioned that they they also declared he's got the shoulder thing going. He missed his first game ever, high school, college, or pro last week, and uh, there appears to be like zero chance that he is, his shoulder is going to be 100 percent anytime soon. 602-260-1060 is the number. If you'd like to chime in, we'll take your calls on the other side of the break. We'll also get into the Phoenix Suns with their game tonight against the Los Angeles Clippers and some other things around the NBA and some other things that have randomly caught my attention. So we'll do that next. But your turn if you'd like it, 602-260-1060. It is the Extra Point right here on KDUS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDUS1060.com and with the KDUS 1060 app. do what's best for the team and we'll do what's best for you the rich eisen show coming to you weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m here on kdus am 1060 and kdus 1060.com Twelve twenty-one here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app, it is the Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you. 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to chime in in the segment. We haven't talked to you in a while, so 602-260-1060. The Phoenix Suns, uh, they have a big game tonight. They're hosting the Clippers here. The Suns, they're 18-15 and 15 on the season. If we break it down further, they're 10 and nine at home the Clippers are 20 and 12 if we break that down further they're six and eight on the road the Suns supposedly will be without Kevin Durant he was ruled out with a hamstring injury that caused him to miss Monday's game too Durant for the Suns averaging 29.9 points per game 6.3 rebounds six assists meanwhile for the Clippers they're going to be competing uh, at full strength with Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard back and healthy I think he's only missed like one or two games this season. So, uh, so much for the, uh, you know, the, you know, load management with him over the last few years. So he's been out there almost all the time. You know, the Suns, at least they're over 500 at home now. That's after their three consecutive road, excuse me, three consecutive home victories in uh, a four day span. It wasn't exactly murderers row against the Hornets, Magic and Blazers. Magic are actually, they're pretty good team. Uh, They've got a lot of talent. A lot of young talent, and they're going to get only better. And I would, you know, the Magic in the Eastern Conference, they've got a chance to, you know, make the playoffs certainly and 
maybe even do some damage. I would think that the Magic would be interested in adding a few veteran players before the trade deadline. We'll see what happens uh, tonight as far as the Suns go. You know, at least you know, Beals now had you know three consecutive games where he hasn't had some kind of problem. When we were last on the air uh, back on December the 15th, uh, that was uh, Beal's return from the uh, back injury. And he made it through four minutes of that game before he went down with an ankle injury. And then the Suns actually lost five out of six before they had this current uh, winning streak that they're on. Uh, yes, and uh, Bradley Beal was an integral part to the Suns getting a victory on Monday night. Uh, he... Uh, 8 of 16, 21 points, 4 rebounds, 1 assist in that Monday win because Devin Booker uh, coming off of a very forgettable performance. 4 of 16, 10 points, 8 rebounds, and 6 assists. It's just uh, unfortunate that we still don't have a whole lot of games with all three of these guys on the court together. Yeah, even when they're out there, they can't stop anybody, and uh, they don't rebound, and they're not good. So they've got to make deadline decisions before the first week of February. Uh, they've got to have a much different roster for this team to be a legitimate playoff contender. When it comes to trying to identify players that uh, have maybe solidified some roles, what do we think about Metu? Has he found himself a prominent role on the roster? Yeah, only because uh, you know the other guys that they've tried at that position were bad. Uh, so I need to see a lot more from Metu. He's had some not-so-good games here lately either. Uh, so he's shown some promise, but, uh, you know, that's another position that if they're going to do anything in the postseason that they should try to upgrade. Uh, this contest, the Suns and the Clippers tonight, 7 p.m. on 3TV. Uh, I went to ESPN.com for their latest NBA power rankings, check in to see how things are going across the league. Uh, the Celtics are number one power rated here at 26 and seven on the season. And, uh, you know, we had the big trade involving Drew Holiday going to the Celtics. But the other player that maybe was forgot about in all of that process was Kristaps Porzingis. But he has had a major impact on this Celtics team. 30.8 minutes per game for him and 20.6 points per game, 7.3 rebounds. He's found uh, himself a spot here in Boston. Yeah, I'm told he's playing really well. Uh, if he has a good season from start to finish, including the playoffs this year, this will be the first time that's happened in his career. Number two in the power rankings is the Milwaukee Bucks. They're sitting at 24-9 and nine on the season. The Bucks just lost to the Pacers. This Pacers and Bucks rivalry it was maybe a thing. Uh, the Pacers have won three times now, and they'll actually play again tonight. When we specifically zero in on the Bucks, though, Giannis continues to do Giannis things. 34.8 minutes, 30.9 points per game, 11.3 rebounds, 5.7 assists. And then Damian Lillard, 35.2 minutes as he's been making making an adjustment here to Milwaukee from Portland, 25.5 points per game and 6.8 assists for Dame. Their defense is really slid, and you know, Lillard is a big reason for that because he's not a good defender. Number three is the Timberwolves. They're 24-8 and eight on the season. It'll be interesting to see how this month goes for them. 10 of 17 of their games in the month of January are on the road, so maybe this is where we'll find out a little bit more about the T-Wolves. Yeah, the one thing that's definitely happened with them is you, you go bare. That, you know, they didn't work out last year, and they never figured it out, but that, there seems to be people that watch the NBA that uh, with uh, you know, the regular season, which I'm not one of them. 
Uh, with frequency, I watch when the Suns play, but that's pretty much my interest from start to finish in games. But it seems like that they've figured out how to play together, those you know, the two big guys. The Oklahoma City Thunder sitting at 23-9 and nine, come in at fourth on ESPN's power rankings here. Shea Gildas-Alexander, 31.4 points per game for him, 54.9% from the floor, 6.4 assists, and then Chet Holmgren, 17.6 points per game, 54.3% from the floor, and 7.6 rebounds. Were you the one that was uh, very high on Shea Gildas-Alexander uh, oh, yeah. well before all of this? Long, long, his one year at Kentucky, uh, you know, that's who I wanted the Suns to draft that particular year. And I said it for months, uh, before that draft and they didn't. And, uh, he's tremendous. And I think, uh, Oklahoma city, much like Orlando, many good young players. And I think that if they're going to have some kind of postseason uh, success, they need to add some more, they need to add some veterans before the deadline. And they have plenty of chips to, you know, make a trade because they've got like 7,000 draft picks for the next, you know, like 10 years. I'm not exaggerating about the 10 year part. Uh, number five on this power rankings list is the Denver Nuggets. They're sitting at 24 and 11. Aaron Gordon returned Monday after missing a couple of games as he needed 21 stitches in his hand and his face following a dog Whoa. bite on Christmas Day. Uh, Jokic here, 25.7 points per game, down in his percentage of field goals this season for, compared to last season. 55.9% field goal percentage, 12.3 rebounds, and 9.1 assists, but he's still pretty darn remarkable. First up, yeah, I know Gordon, I assume, loves his dog, but he needs to get a different dog. Uh, that's the first thing there. Uh, two, I don't care what the Nuggets do during the regular season. I can't imagine they're taking this incredibly seriously on a daily basis until the playoffs start. Um, okay, number six on the power rankings list here is actually the Philadelphia 76ers sitting at 23-10. and 10. Joel Embiid missed four games with a sprained ankle, but now he's back, so uh, maybe – Finally finding out what to do, make some changes here. That's helped the 76ers because then coming in at number seven is the Clippers at 20 and 12 with James Harden. Clippers have won 12 of the last 14, and Kawhi, as I mentioned, is now back too. Okay, let's start with the Sixers. Uh, they're kind of like the Baltimore Ravens for me as far as the NBA goes. I don't care if they're perfect. Uh, they can go 82-0 and zero in the regular season. I don't care what the Sixers do until they actually win a meaningful playoff series. They've never even gone to the Eastern Conference Finals with Embiid, so I need to see that first before I'm going to be a believer. Uh, the Clippers, they got dudes, and it seems like you know, after that early stretch, what was it, five or six games that they lost every game when Harden first played? They seem to figure that out. I'm looking actually, uh, looking forward to watching a little bit of that game tonight with the Suns and the Clippers. Uh, and... Speaking of the Suns, you have to jump all the way down to number 15 for the Suns in the power rankings from ESPN.com as they're sitting at 18 and 15 on the season. No Kevin Durant. The questions here, can Beal kind of keep it going? Uh, he's been really good in the last two games he's played, shooting, I believe, above a 60% clip. Uh, but they also do have a tough stretch here at home, the Clippers, the Heat, and Memphis. Yeah, uh, 15 sounds right because the Suns are an average team, and that's what I've been saying since the roster was constructed or reconstructed, I think, poorly uh, you know, by James Jones in the month of July and August. 
Uh, switching gears here away from the NBA and back to the NFL, something that caught my attention about what happened 31 years ago today. Uh, backup quarterback Frank Reich and the Bills erased a 32-point deficit to beat the Oilers 41-38 to in overtime in the wild card round. It was the largest comeback in NFL history until Kirk Cousins and the Vikings came back from down 33 points to beat the Colts 39-36 in overtime. But Frank Reich and the Bills uh, remains the largest comeback in a playoff round. Yeah, and uh, Frank Reich, a much better backup quarterback than he has been a head coach in the NFL, which is kind of something that I've said for years, and I think that's now been confirmed by the fact that the Colts, with pretty much the same players, are far better without him, and the Carolina Panthers were awful. Uh, but as far as that game goes, I specifically remember that day uh, in living in Vegas. Uh, one of my best friends from Prescott was in town that uh, weekend, and we watched the first half of that game at the uh, one. I think it was the Hilt, the Las Vegas Hilton in those days. Uh, they, they changed. They've changed their name like seven thousand times. But I think it was the Hilton. And I lived like ten minutes away from there, so we actually left at halftime. Went and watched like a little bit of the third quarter at, uh, to my my apartment, the best apartment I've ever lived in, by the way, in Las Vegas. I uh, would like to have just you know, picked up that apartment and moved all over to, the, to Chicago and here, uh, even though I do like where I live now. Uh, but anyway, the, in the game, you know, the first few minutes of that second half didn't get any closer, so he drove home at that point. And then I remember calling him, you have know, cell phones in those days, I remember calling him when I knew he'd be gotten home to Prescott and say, hey, did you know they won that game? <laughs> so that was uh, quite, a, quite a comeback. That's my story from that game. For better or for worse, and I think it was for better. Uh, and then the other bit of news that caught my attention, sticking with the NFL here following Sunday's uh, victory for the Steelers over the Seahawks, it now has officially secured Mike Tomlin's 17th consecutive non-losing season as the Steelers' head coach. Yeah, and also Mason Rudolph uh, might have been their best quarterback all along because uh, he's done more in like two weeks than Kenny Pickett's done in two years. Yeah, he's been pretty pretty stellar here in his two starts, and I imagine uh, he's going to be starting again this week. Well, it's you know, Tomlin confirmed yesterday that uh, he's starting, and they also was confirmed yesterday that Pickett's healthy. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of controversy of whether he refused to play last week or not. He denied that uh, that story yesterday, but uh, you know Tomlin made it very clear yesterday. Uh, he's usually, uh, I think he might be the only coach in the NFL that has a Tuesday press conference instead of a Monday press conference on a weekly basis, assuming it's a Sunday game. And uh, he uh, made it very clear yesterday that uh, you know, Pickett's healthy and Rudolph's the starter this week with their season on the line. Yes, they still have an opportunity to punch a ticket to the uh, playoffs with two AFC spots or three AFC spots remaining available uh, following the final yeah. week. And, and we'll see if the Ravens play their guys because I mentioned in the last hour, you remember a few years ago, they did not play their guys when they had the bye and they got beaten the first, their first playoff game the next week at home by the Titans. They got eliminated. That's a Saturday game, the Ravens and the Steelers. So they seem to like, I feel like the Steelers have been on Saturday for like three weeks in a row, or it's like every possible Saturday, it's been a Steelers contest. 
Well, that's good for ratings because the Steelers have a large following, including what seemed to be almost a pro Steelers fan, uh, fan base last week in Seattle, of all places. Poll questions. They're coming up on the other side of the break. Still time for you to cast your vote. We dive into it next. It is the Extra Point. Carving out time in your afternoon for the Doug Gottlieb Show right here on KDUS AM 1060, 100.7 HD2, and KDUS1060.com. Weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. Right here on KDUS AM 1060 uh, on this January 3rd, 2024. Bob Kim, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today, as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. It's time to get into the poll questions, and we'll get things started here with the KDUS1060.com poll question. Uh, has Kyler Murray done enough this season for the Cardinals not to select a quarterback with their first pick of the 2024 NFL draft. He is not. Uh, and I know Jonathan Gannon on Tuesday declared that there's no doubt that Dory will return next season. Uh, Murray this season has been really, to me, no different than he's been most of his career. Uh, inconsistent, uh, not just week from week to week, but drive to drive. Uh, for instance, uh, over the last three games, uh, Murray – um, you know, the first, the, the, the games against San Francisco and Chicago, he was awful for three quarters. And it was a big reason why the Cardinals didn't really seem to have much of a chance to win those games. Yeah. The Chicago game, the Cardinals would not have had a chance to win that game. Had Justin Fields not throw one of the dumbest end zone interceptions of all time that would have given them a two score lead if they just take the field goal. And also in both of those games, Murray padded his stats with some meaningless fourth-quarter numbers, and that's something we've seen with high frequency throughout Murray's career during his four seasons. He's been great at padding stats in the fourth quarter in games they've been behind. Then on Sunday, though, Murray was excellent. Uh, as I mentioned more than once here in the last uh, you know, almost three hours, that he completed more than 80% of his passes in that game at Philadelphia. The Cardinals won that game, though, because they dominated the line of scrimmage before, because of the running game. Uh, going back to Gannon's declaration that there's no doubt that Murray will return next season, I wonder if it's uh, his declaration is at least in some part because the Cardinals and Gannon realize that no other NFL team is going to take Murray right now because of his short stature. Unless he has a growth spurt, he's not getting any taller at this point of his life. Uh, his inconsistent accuracy, and I think most and most uh, significantly, nobody's going to take that contract based on the way that he's played so far this season. Uh, so I'm actually on the the yes side of things here. I mean, yes, he's shown moments here. We've seen other moments where uh, there's been a lack of consistency, but I think, one, uh, establishing the run game certainly sol solves some things as well. We saw what you could do with a really great play-action game against the, the Eagles' defense there last week. I also think, as well, uh, having a more... 
uh, established and maybe depth of wide receiver room. Uh, some different sized wide receivers could also be really helpful. Uh, but I think that there are pieces and, and things that are going in the right direction for Kyler Murray in addition to the fact that the team and the structure has so many other areas of need as we're talking about with the wide receiver position. We mentioned DJ Humphreys uh, tearing his ACL. Maybe now the offensive line needs to continue to be reassessed and evaluated and then flipping it over to the defensive side of the ball there's plenty of different positions that need to be addressed there too so when you're starting to analyze what the most important areas are and whether or not you know how you're going to build this team the question is if you put some pieces and play playmakers around Kyler Murray is he good enough to get the ball to them yes I think you know his height is his height and you can't change that but he certainly has shown some moments here creativity I think we've seen some things with Drew Petzing that uh, he's willing to to change things up a bit from week to week and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but uh, there seems to be a clear uh, you know effort uh, to to work with Kyler to put him in a position to be successful here Uh, so with all of that in mind the contract situation just how much is needed for this team moving forward give him an opportunity to be in the team in the the offseason here and, and see what he can do next year yeah, I'll just add one more thing. You know, the last couple of games, uh, the Cardinals, uh, the the, the, the uh, television broadcast, and Mark Sanchez and Moose Johnston were the two commentators in those games, and they both pointed out during those games about his short stature and how that has really hurt him trying to throw the ball across the middle, which has been statistically proven for four years now. Yeah, uh, there's – Unfortunately, nothing nothing that's going to change about that. Uh, you know, one of the things that we did touch on a little bit earlier on in the season when he, he got started uh, back with the Cardinals uh, uh, coming back from injury was maybe we were a little surprised that they weren't using him in certain rollout type situations to try to help yep. offset uh, the line just being able to converge down and bat some balls down. And they're still not doing that. Uh, so you know, maybe they just don't, maybe he's not capable of doing, maybe he doesn't throw on the run that well. Maybe the, uh, it seems like, uh, yeah, Petsing, I think has done a good job with the offense. He's gotten the most out of what he has. Uh, it seems like that would be a pretty easy solution or at least try to see, try a possible easy solution. But I, we haven't seen very much of that at all. Even the last three games. Uh, the masses are on the yes side of things at 73% of the vote, no trailing at 27%. This is KDOS1060.com's poll question. Tossing it on over to X, at KDOSAM1060, has the U of A basketball team been exposed during its last four games? And uh, first of all, does Stanford maybe have U of A's number right now? I mean, they were uh, an integral part last year as well to, to U of A and some of the losses. But I think some of the questions marks that U of A had heading into the season are starting to show up uh, and so I would say that some of the exposure is taking place yeah I, I definitely uh, think that uh, they've been exposed I mean I must I, you know I'm first to admit that yeah I was fooled some not completely but fooled some after the hot start but I think we can now assess that Tommy Lloyd during this first three seasons at the U of A there's two disturbing trends here uh first up they play their best ball in november 
In fact, he has never lost a game as the U of A head coach in the month of November. Unfortunately, the NCAA tournament is not in November. Also, number two, uh, they can't guard opponents uh, with offensive skill. Uh, the past three losses, they've allowed 92 points to Purdue, 96 points to Florida Atlantic, and 100 points to a mediocre Stanford team, which has actually been good at home most of the time in the last couple of years and beaten the U of A two straight years. Yeah, last season, actually the last two years, I just kind of blamed all the defensive issues on Kirk Creasa and Azulis Tabellas, who were you know, skilled offensive players but absolutely pathetic on defense so much so that they were both benched at the end of some close games because of their defense. Well, those guys are long gone, and their defense is still a suspect at best. I could give a damn about the Ken Palm efficiency rankings. Those things are bogus, especially early in the season before you haven't played very many games. Uh, so the fact that they were in the top 10 in Ken Palm defense before these games was just kind of a joke, uh, and obviously not there now. But I think that you have to wonder whether Lloyd and his staff can actually coach defense. Uh, three straight seasons, I think, is a pretty good, you know, you know pretty good and fair assessment at this point. Of, I think that's a logical question at this point. The masses are on the yes side of things at 64.7% of the vote. No trailing at 35.3%. This is uh, on X at KDOS AM 1060. Obviously, uh, fully entrenched now in conference play for both the U of A basketball and uh, Arizona State basketball. Colorado and the U of A tomorrow night in Tucson. Those are by far, to me, the two best teams in the Pac-12. And maybe the only two good teams in the entire conference. We will wrap up this Wednesday, January 3rd edition of Extra Point on the other side of the break. He's Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you. Uh, up until 1 o'clock today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, getting back into the swing of things from the holidays. Hope everyone had a fantastic holiday season, and we'll wrap it up here on the other side of the break. Download today to hear all of the national and local shows you love. That's the KTUS 1060 app. of Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060, online at kdos1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app, that song means one thing and one thing only. It's thank you time, Bob. Means two things. Can I still remember how to do this little spiel at the end of the show? Because we haven't done it for three weeks. Uh, so we'll see how this goes. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever and whatever else slipped through the cracks. Also, our guest today. Lots of college basketball talk. Our first big college basketball segment of the year. 
Uh, Kevin Flaherty joined us from 24-7 Sports. We'll have Kevin Leon definitely throughout the next few months. Remember the Final Four at State Farm Stadium the first week of April this year. Also on Wednesday at 10-15, we'll get the latest on the Dolphins, including the multiple injuries that they now have uh, going into a Sunday night's game against the Bills. And then also sound of the day courtesy of Fox, Pac-12 Network, CBS, ESPN, and Peacock. Special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. That's right. Up next from 1 to 3 o'clock, it is the Doug Gottlieb Show, followed by the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5. The Sports Zoo with Dave Rooster Beerstein from 5 to 6. At 5.30 over on KAZG 1440, it's NAU Men's Basketball taking on Omaha as NAU Men's Basketball returns from the holiday break. Pre-game over at KAZG 1440 at 5.30 p.m. And then tip-off stays over at KAZG 1440 and also joins here on KDUS AM 1060 today at 6 o'clock with Mitch Stroman on the call. So that's what's coming up next here on KDUS AM 1060. As always, head on over to our KDUS 1060.com website. Click on the Live Sports tab to find out uh, when NAU men's basketball is airing, ASU women's basketball, and the like of play-by-play assortment for you. Speaking of uh, college, over in college football with the Michigan 27, Alabama 20 victory in overtime, that Rose Bowl averaged 27.2 million viewers, most watched CFP semifinal since 2014, and the most watched non-NFL sporting event since 2018 couple things first up you know the fact that these games were not on new year's eve which has actually actually happened a handful of times since the inception of the cfp that helps also obviously there was no nfl on monday because uh, they made way for the cfp and the espn has their priorities uh, so there was no monday night football on monday they have that on had that on saturday actually uh, so those things uh, clearly helped but also helped that uh you have you know some name programs. Uh, certainly, three of the all-time heavyweights in college football playing on that date. Uh, plus, Washington, I think, has got kind of captured the imagination of a lot of player, a lot of uh, fans, I should say, across the country. Uh- you know, one thing that we didn't get into here in regards to this particular game, uh, do you think that the overtime rules in college football need to be changed? Because if Bama scores there, then things go to you have to go for two. And then if they're tied up once again, then it just reverts to two-point attempts in order to decide the game. Are you good with that in college football? I'm okay with it in the regular season. I mean, they've changed that you know thing in the regular season a hundred times over the years, and after many many injuries in the multiple overtime games of past seasons, uh, that led to the rule change in the regular season. I would not have a problem if they changed the overtime rules for the CFP, and you know, obviously with the expanded playoffs beginning next season, I think that would be even a better idea. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how all of that is going to unfold with the expansion of uh, the CFP, you know, the 12-team playoff, and then really what that 
has in store for the rest of the college bowl games because I think it was pretty clear, at least for me, in kind of seeing social engagement about the bowl games, it was obviously the Rose Bowl and um, the Sugar Bowl getting the most uh, attention. And then it was actually the Pop-Tart Bowl because of the Pop-Tart and uh, this giant Pop-Tart coming out of a giant toaster. But in terms of actual games, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of engagement and enthusiasm for the contest. Okay, two things. First up, you know, I think that I actually I've bought so many pop tarts over the years. I think I invested in that game, and that's you know I want to be like kind of an unofficial corporate sponsor of that game. So there we go. I bought pop tarts as recently as yesterday, in fact, and uh, been buying those my whole life, whether for better or for worse. And I'm still hanging around, so maybe for better. So there's that. Second thing, the best idea I've heard so far. And I've, I've kind of you know, been on this approach more in college basketball, that the tournament in college basketball, in the NFL. But the best idea I've heard in the last you know, two or three weeks here with all the bowl game uh, um, uh, you know, apathy is that they should just have the major conferences you know, have their own tournament. And then all the Mickey Mouse and garbage conference schools like Liberty uh, can have their own tournament and you know, have a winner at the end of that too. So there would be more than one champion and more than one really happy team at the end of the season. I think that's a really, that would be a great idea. Never going to happen, but it should and should have happened years ago. The college basketball tournament should have never expanded to 60. Yeah, really. You know, 50, I, I, the best thing, 50, you know, they, they went from like 32 to like 48 to 54 to 67 Whatever. It should be 32 teams in the college basketball tournament, and they should just have the major conferences competing in the college football playoffs. We don't need to see any more liberties once we get to the college football playoffs, even next year in the expanded playoffs. That team had zero chance to compete. None. Zero. One more uh, viewing ship information here. ESPN's Monday Night Football hits record highs as it averaged 17.1 million viewers, the most in its 20 years that uh, ESPN ABC has had uh, Monday Night Football. Not, not surprising because they also had a far better schedule than they've had in recent years, too. I'm also curious if they're counting, like, for instance, the Lions and the Cowboys played on Saturday. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm sure they are. It was a Monday night football broadcast, et cetera, the whole yeah. crew. So I'm sure that that helps uh, those numbers reach that 20-year high. The Suns, they're hosting the Clippers tonight. It's a 7 o'clock start on 3TV. Thanks for listening. We'll do it again tomorrow with the Sports Zone starting at 10 a.m.